welcome to Women of Fortitude with Rondi Jane and Kelsey. This is a place where women will share their stories in order to inspire other women. And also to remind all women that you are a woman of fortitude. Hey, welcome to today's episode of Women of Fortitude with Kelsey and Rondi Jane. Today we have our first guest with us. I am very excited to introduce Miss Kayla Doyle. If you listen to our first episode, I talked a little about our fourth foster child. One thing that I left out was one reason we were so hesitant to take another one, especially under five, was because it's so hard to find childcare where we live. So Kayla was an absolute godsend. She keeps children in her home. When I posted on Facebook that I was looking for someone, she reached out and we have just fallen in love with her and her sweet family. And she has taken care of our foster baby (laughs) (laughs) and has been with me on this journey for the past year with him and helped him develop mentally and helped me keep my sanity. So I'm very excited to have her here with us today. Yes. Welcome, Kayla. Thank you. Okay, so this episode is going to air on Valentine's Day. So I thought it would be only appropriate if we talked a little bit about love. (laughs) So let's go through and let's tell how how we met our spouse. What about Kelsey? Do you want to go first? You want me to start? Well, my husband and I met in college. At Northeast, that was the first time that we, like, met and saw each other. We didn't actually start dating until a few years later when we were working together. (laughs) A group of us went out to dinner to eat, and they kind of stuck us together, and it just kind of blossomed from there. Kayla, you want to share with us your story? Sure. A friend kind of introduced uh, Daniel and I together. We... We're in not only two different states, but in two different countries Hmm. at the time. I was living overseas. He was working as a missions pastor. And so we started emailing and then started texting. And then when I moved back home, we went on a date. I told him no. (laughs) Then we went on another date. I told him no again. (laughs) I moved to a different uh, state and I moved back. And then we just started dating. And then it went from there. And now we're married for almost five years. So. Awesome. I love that. Yeah. Rondi, it's your turn. Well, she told how long she was married. Kelsey, how long have you and Jason been married? Well, in May, it will be 24 years. Wow. You're getting old. Yes. Yes, I am. (laughs) Okay, so my story. um, My best friend was dating a guy from Boonville, and he had a cousin who lived in Eupora, which is two hours south of us, so they thought we'd be a great couple, and we started talking on Yahoo Messenger, and then (laughs) we met in person, and we kind of dated for a little bit, and then I broke up with him on my birthday because he didn't buy me a gift. (laughs) I mean, who doesn't buy their girlfriend a gift? (laughs) Anyway, long story short, we did get back together. And obviously, we're still married after this will 
in February, it will be, well, actually, after this episode airs, it's going to be 19 years. Wow. Yeah. So, that's our little love story. We are here to hear an inspiring story from Miss Kayla. Uh, ever since I was first, when I first met Kayla, she told me that she used to work in missions and she worked overseas and I've always been interested in like, Hey, I'd like to hear stories. I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. So I finally have her here to sit down, tell me the 411. I want to hear it all. So why don't we start with like, what was your first like experience, like did you do a mission trip? Like what I did. got your foot in the door? Yeah. So I first, my very first mission trip was to Russia, to Petropavlovsk, Kamchatka, which is the peninsula that's as close to America as you can get. So it's the furthest, but the closest at the same time distance. And I was there for a little over two weeks. And that was my first experience and my first time flying, my first time everything. And Literally, when I was over there, um, that's when I said that I was going to do missions, and I was specifically going to go to Africa. I just knew it. Um, but a lot of things happened there that should have wavered me, but just, uh, like, I had teammates that was arrested. I had an old lady saying curses on me. My translator never told me what she said, which is probably a good thing. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, there's a lot of things that happened. ate some really weird food. But overall, it was a really good experience, and that kind of is what initiated my desire to do it. How old were you when you did that? I was 19. Okay. And did you go through your church, or how did I that? did. So our church knew some people who moved over there to do missions themselves, and so we just went over as a team to work with them for a couple of weeks at a time. So first experience was in Russia. Yes. And that one sounds eventful. It was very eventful. I hear stories like this. And I went on my first mission trip when I was 18 mm-hmm. and I, I went to Puerto Rico. Yeah. And then my next mission trip was to Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And then I went back to Puerto Rico again. And I hear people talk about going to Russia and all these other places. And I think I was on vacation. I was not on a mission <laughs> trip. <laughs> and of course, like, I want you to like expound a little bit about like what you did while you were there. I mean, it was gospel oriented. It was, we went on the streets every day and talked to people and I'm an introvert to the core. Like I Mm -hmm. cannot just walk up to somebody and talk. I cannot, I can't, I can't like, there's nothing that's going to come out of my mouth. I will turn red. I will get really hot and almost pass out. I just can't do that. Um, but so that's how I knew like this was a God thing because I'm not going to do that myself. Uh, but we had these things called advantage cubes and I don't know if you ever heard of those. Uh, they're great tools to use if you don't know how to show your gospel or you're like me and you get nervous and just forget what you're saying. Um, so we had this evangel cube who shares the whole story of the gospel. He has pictures and you just open up the cube and share it with people. Um, and so we'd walk around the streets and just say, Hey, I have a story. Can I share it with you? And someone would be like, yeah, sounds like, no, sounds like the lady who gave cursed me. Mm-hmm. And so you've met all kinds of people. That's mainly what we did in Russia is that, um, I went on other mission trips that were a little different, but equally the same in that. It was just mainly sharing. Yeah. So then after that, what was there? I had a little mini mission trip uh, out of the BSU at Northeast. Uh, we went to New Orleans. Um, that was a whole experience in itself. I kind of went with 
I don't like to say it, but I had a big head at that time because I was like, I've been on a mission trip. I know what I'm doing. Like, even though I was introverted and stuff, I was like, I've done this before. I did not do New Orleans before. Like, that was different. Uh, And so we get there and we do whatever we want during the day, but the mission part is at nighttime. And they put us on Bourbon Street. Like, the main thing, like, we had to block our eyes because you have these people up in the, you know, there's everywhere. And so we're standing on the streets, handing out tracks. Um, people want to talk to us about the tracks. We would talk to them. Some people had signs that just, you know, had a statement that people might stop and say something about. Um, we had a knife pulled on us there. I had someone walk up to me, grab my track and light it on fire. And I was like, well, okay. Yeah. A few minutes later, the person come back, took another track and ate it. Like, ate it. Uh, I didn't just bite it, just ate ate the the track. The whole thing. So, um, yeah, that was my experience in New Orleans. But it was mainly just standing on the streets, talking to people if they would let us. A bunch of college kids trying to do Jesus stuff but not see a bunch of stuff at the same time. Wow. Yeah, they threw you right into that. We were right in the mix, yes. So, after that? After that, um, I had the opportunity to go back to Russia, uh, but I didn't. I was at that point feeling called to missions, but also very scared to do missions full time because I'm very structured. I like schedule. I like knowing what's going to happen. I have a routine. Um, that's just a top A. And doing missions, like you're not going to know anything. Like you never know one day, the next, an hour to the next or anything like that. Right. And so I was very scared. And so when I was feeling the call to do it, I decided to back out. I was like, if maybe if I don't go, I'm not going to feel that way no more. And so I didn't do that. And that whole summer I was miserable. Like I just knew I was, I was supposed to go. On. Um, and then I actually just quit everything I was doing. I changed my major and went into Christian ministry because of that. And so my next mission trip was actually to Malawi, Africa. Ooh. After I graduated from Blue Mountain, I went there. Um, and when I was in Malawi, it was also the same, um, except walking the streets, they drove us to a site that was like our drop off and pickup site. And we just walked because it's just villages. Mm-hmm. And we would just walk until we found a village and just start talking to people. And again, I took the Evangel Cube and used that, which is great for people that you can't communicate really yeah. with. So they can at least see a picture. And we each had our own translator. A couple of things that stood out to me in that trip that really meant a lot to me was, so we got to go to the orphanage and uh, fix food for the orphans and help feed them and uh, talk to them and play with them and play games with them. But another thing that happened while I was over there is there's these people that dress up as animals and they're called Gulimamkulus. And they say that they're uh, possessed, that they're demon possessed. They're just not, you know, right, whatever. And they go around the villages and the people aren't doing what they think they should do. They like attack the village and uh, they kill their chickens. They take their food. They do all these kinds of things. And we're driving down the road and one is standing out there doing something weird. I don't even remember what he was doing. And our truck stops. And for some reason I jumped out. I don't, you know, like I said, I'm not like that. So I don't know why I jumped out, but I did. And another guy went out and he started talking to this uh, Guliwankulu dude. And he starts dancing and chanting and like doing this weird kind of stuff and backing away. And every time the dude said Jesus, he jumped back and would like yell something. 
And so finally we're like, okay, and we get back in the truck and he comes running towards the truck and like puts his face up on the window. And for months, this man's eyes haunted me. Like he had, I've never seen a demon possessed person before. I knew it could happen, but I never like, you know, you don't really think about that Mm -hmm. kind of stuff, but I've never seen eyes that look like this man's eyes. Like it was, if you could think about the darkest hollowest just drained eyes that you have ever that you could see that's what this man's eyes was like and I didn't sleep for several months because of that after I've after I seen that because I've you know something you never see so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah but after that we did get to take a little fun time and we went and done a little safari <laughs> um, which is good because we needed that little break there we did a little safari and got to see some animals, which is what most people wanted to ask about. And then we did almost get arrested <laughs> once. We were trying to get into another little village area, and we were actually trying to cross the border at Malawi and Mozambique and get into Mozambique a little bit. And we got caught on the border. And we were like, okay, well, if the Lord wants us to go there, there'll be a way. And they let us go, and we ended up going around. And we got into Mozambique and got to share a little bit there. So that was pretty cool. And also not get arrested was great too. So <laughs> yeah, that's always a plus. Yeah. I I just want to say I'm so impressed by how you say these words. Like, yeah. It just rolls off your tongue. Like <laughs> well, when you've had to learn multiple languages over the time, it kind of like just got you. also whenever it just sticks with you like that, you you remember. Mm-hmm. So now what'd you call that guy? A Gulu Wamkulu. Did you ever okay in Africa, mm-hmm. other than the guy? I'm not even going to attempt to say that. (laughs) A dangerous situation there. Other than that, and almost going to jail when you were crossing the border. There was a dangerous situation every now and then. Um, They would have, I don't really know what the situation was, but we were, we stayed in the compound area. So we were safe, Um, but we were supposed to go out and something happened. And they was like, no, we just need to stay in and pray. And I was like, okay. So we did. And then come to find out like something happened, like at the point we would have been at, it was like, that's why we didn't need to leave. Then one time, like there was a, our tire blew up and then a fire started <laughs> right by it. And it's like, oh, uh, but luckily we got the tire changed. So we got to go on past that. Those are the only really scary yeah. things I can think of from that trip. Uh, we did have... Mm, at one time, when I was coming upon a village with my translator, a Guliwamkulu or whatever was at a village and started running at us. And he told me to run and we ran and luckily got away. So that wasn't too extreme bad either. So there wasn't really many, in my opinion, too much scary yeah. stuff to go yeah. on. It's not as scary as some people well, think and sometimes. I guess at the time that I went on my trip, I was young and naive. Mm-hmm. And... Well, we heard gunshots in the neighborhood one day, and all those kids, they just hit the ground. So, after Africa, Mm -hmm. then what? Then I came home for a little while and was trying to figure out what I needed to do. I just graduated from uh, Blue Mountain with a Christian ministry degree, and I was trying to figure out, like, how to approach missions and how I felt like the Lord needed me to go in what direction and stuff. I remember that one of my teachers had mentioned something about a, a program. He just mentioned that he had done it, and then he had to send letters back home. Like, it was back then where you didn't get to pick up the phone and call yeah. your parents. Like, he was talking about having to send letters back and forth. 
And so I decided to look into that. I Googled and researched it. And the more I thought about it, the more I was like, I think this is the direction I'm supposed to go. And I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want to be wavered in my decision. I wanted it to be strictly from the Lord because I knew some people were going to be like, no, you know, kind of like my mother, mm-hmm. just being a mother. That's how they are. No, you're not leaving. Um, and then I knew I had some people who were like, yes, because I've had people tell me like, you're supposed to do stuff like that. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want either side. Program I was doing is actually like a two-step entry. So you have to apply. And then if you get chosen through that, then you have to do another set of application process. And so I did the first one without saying anything to anybody. And um, I got accepted to do the next step. And that's when I started telling people. And I was like, this is going to be the test. This is going to be whether I know I'm supposed to do this or not. And I went to my mom, who has been like against me going. And not because she's against all of right. it. Just you know, She's she a mom. Just, you know, she, she doesn't want she me overseas. She doesn't mean it anywhere that I'm. she's not going to be there. Mm-hmm. And I went and I told her that I had applied and got accepted and I wanted to do this. And her response was, okay, well, if you need help selling your car or anything, just let me know. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. well... I think I might have cried a little bit because I was like, <laughs> "You were not expecting big that, weight off not. me." Because I was expecting a <laughs> knockout, dragout fight. Like we're going, and mm-hmm. something's going to happen. But then after that, the process just went on, and I got accepted. And in October of 2014, I moved overseas. So, how old were you? I was, I don't know, 24, 23, 24. Okay. Yeah, that's still really young. Yes. Like, yeah. How long were you there? I was there for three years. Okay. Yeah, I wow. was supposed. The program I was doing uh, is a two-year program, uh, but my team was going through a lot, and I just really loved what I was doing and loved being over there. And we begged for an extension, and they finally allowed it, and I got to stay a little longer. Okay. During that time, did you get to come home? I did. I came home twice. Um, so I got really sick over there. And apparently my I get sick a lot on trips. That's like my theme, I guess, because I got sick on every trip I've been on. Um, when I was in Russia, I don't know what I got, but I got really sick on the way back. In Malawi, I got sun poisoning. This time I made it overseas. I was there for eight days and this got sick. Like I couldn't do anything. I was sick for two months before they figured out what was wrong and had to have surgery over there. So they allowed me to come home early. They normally say you can have to be there for a whole year before you go back home just to ensure that you're not going to like, okay, I quit. Like I'm, I backed out. But because of all of that, it's like, you, you need to go home yeah. for a little break. You see your family. So I got to go home like uh, for a couple of weeks, okay. twice. Yes. Rondi showed me a picture of the hospital. <laughs> yes. But when you see this a hospital, you will be going, what? This is not a hospital. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So... Now, you ended up having surgery, right? I did, yes. There? Yes. Okay. I was I was there, so, yes. Wow. And I didn't see the hospital until the day I pulled up to have surgery. And I was like, I'm going home to the Lord today. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the day. Um, so, like, your doctors, could you understand that? Yes. Yeah, so, I had doctors that spoke English. They just could never figure out what was wrong with me until the very last minute, which is good because that could have went wrong at the same time, too. How did your mom react to that did she know what was going on i don't know how she reacted because at that point my mom's not very technologically challenged i mean she's you know she's not good on technology so we just had text and i could only text through my ipod because my phone wasn't working at that time and so um i just told her hey 
I've got this, gonna have surgery. I'm okay, you know, I just told her that. And it's, I don't think I showed her the picture until I come home. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm fine, but this is where I was at. Yes, yes, so, okay. Yeah, and I had, uh, my teammates were really great and kept people updated. Like, they text them a lot and let them know, like, she's okay, she's doing this, she's fine. Like, how are you doing? Are you coping okay with this? So they were really great in that. What was it like where you lived, like, on the daily? Did y'all exist? house so we lived in an apartment um and everybody for some i don't know why people think that i lived in a hut but i've had so many people say <laughs> what do you want like dirt floors okay, well, you know, when Africa. i see the picture of this hospital yes it's kind of i'm like well it must have been just a hut <laughs> yeah, no we we actually lived in pretty a pretty nice apartment had Three bed. There was three of us at first, so there was three bed. We had a three bedroom apartment. It was very cold though because it's like concrete walls and marble floors, like all over. Yeah, so we lived in a cool little apartment. We have they don't really have washer and dryers over there, but you can buy them. And we have like, of course, like we're American, so we had some washer and dryers in our <laughs> place. But it leaked all the time, so you'd walk in our bathroom, our floor would be flooded. But then we moved to another apartment that was bigger because we got another teammate and it was huge um it was actually like two apartments in one so we had like four bathrooms in there so but wow. yeah so we didn't live in the hut we didn't have dirt floors although it was very dirty outside our set our third apartment was a little shabby mm. it was just two of us left at that point so we decided we could we could do it so it had heat and air but we did have heating and air okay so what was the climate like in the area hot. all the time hot or like was it kinda, seasonal like here it kind of but in proximity to here like i think the lows was 60s okay um but it felt really cold because the highs that i remember was 113 but so yeah when it dropped to 60 i had like three shirts on yeah. and like yeah. three pairs of pants and a skirt and everything else because mm -hmm. i had to be fully clothed at all time too so when it was 113 and i'm wearing long sleeve shirts and a long skirt and shorts up under and everything else like it was really hot so could you kind of give us like like a run through of what your daily routine was like yeah, there sure. so i was there on a student visa because like i said the country i lived in is a level three country and so there's three levels you have level one that's like america like you can just do whatever you want here like it's fine really most of the time uh level two is a little bit more you have to be a little more you know, calm about what you do. You just can't like go stand on the streets and like blare Jesus, but you know, it's okay. Um, level three is they'll put you in jail or kick you out. So I was on a student visa. So I had to do language classes. So the beginning of my days was uh, taking a little bit of language. Um, I first started with just a one-on-one -on -one teacher. Uh, so I would go to her house, do language with her, and then she had to move. And so then I started going to a uh, language school. And then after that, I would travel about an hour uh, to a different side of the city and where I taught English to refugees. Do about two or three classes at night and then come home and start all over again if uh, things weren't crazy outside. <laughs> so at nighttime, talking about crazy outside, like were there a lot of like ruckus around? Yeah. So um, there was a couple of times I woke up to bombs going off. There's a couple of times we had to stay inside because they were uh, rioting in the streets. When I was on my way to my language teacher's house, when I was going to the, the individual's house and not the, the school, 
as soon as I got off the Metro, the Metro was bombed. Thankfully, I had just like walked through her door and I got the phone call. I was like, are you okay? Like, are you there? And I'm like, yeah, it's like, don't move. Like, don't leave until we say, come home and we'll come get you. So yeah, there was, there was some, some crazy every now and then going on. Uh, nighttime when we were out, we all, we were never allowed to go out by ourselves. We always had to be in a pair with somebody and we weren't allowed to really do anything other than like take a taxi um, because those were the safest routes because you're not walking as far because you have to walk to the metro which takes a while to get and then you have to like travel for about an hour on the metro to get home and make swaps because it takes like different metros to get to different places in the city so taxi even though it costs more that was what we had to take mostly at nighttime unless we were definitely with more than one person well being with more than one person or being out in a team mm -hmm. is safe even here yes. so i definitely can understand that the area that i lived in it was um it was kind of known to have a bunch of like expats in it. So it was okay for us to go out in that area. But if we were out, went out to other areas, like we definitely had to have a teammate with us. Right. Can you share something like amazing that happened? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so one of our biggest things over there was a family that we uh, were in contact with. We had a team of college students come help us like, we had that every now and then, a couple college students who were trying to figure out what they're supposed to be doing too. And they come over and work with us for a couple months as part of their school. And one of the boys was in contact with this man. And before he left, he's like, I'm going to give you his number because he's asking questions. And we went to his house and he told us the story. And these are Muslims. Like they do not, you know, they're Muslims. He's like, we're trying to understand what they're saying. We're like, you know, communication is kind of rough because the people on my team who really know Arabic was not there at that time. So we we're just kind of winging it. And he's drawing pictures and trying to tell us the story. He's like, I had a dream. And he's like, I was on this island and I was surrounded by water. And he's like, I was crying like a baby. And he's like, and this person came and got me. He's like, I know that was Jesus. He's like, I want to know what, about him. Like, tell me about Jesus. And so, you know, they had questions. We kept asking and kept talking to them and, kept going to their house every now and then. But like I said, they're Muslims. So um, the wife's brother found out and he came from their country to this country and he wrecked their house. He destroyed everything, broke their TV, uh, threatened to take her back with him. We told him to come to our house, like come rest. And that day I held their little baby girl all day and let her sleep because they just couldn't sleep. The little boy was crying. He was scared. He was about three. And actually the mother wanted to be saved first, but she knew like her husband needed to be saved too. Cause that's like how the family is the men, men right. lead. Right. And so we were just like, you know, praying for him and trying to talk to him more. And finally they both came to faith and we were like, okay, well we need to do baptism. Cause we need to teach them. This is the structure. Like you, you learn about Jesus, you get saved and then you follow through with baptism because that's what the scriptures say do. We have nowhere to baptize and be safe about it. So we had a party at our house we said it was for the little boy's birthday because it was around the time of his birthday because we knew he was going to say something and get everybody in trouble. So it was like, this is your birthday party. <laughs> and we filled up our bathtub full of water. And we had one of our boy students baptize the husband. And then we had the husband turn around and baptize his wife. But in the process, like, we had to stand guard, like somebody at the window, somebody at the door, make sure nobody comes in, make sure nobody's like getting around this area. And I got to hold the wife's hand as she went under because she was scared to death. And a funny thing was, is somebody was standing and actually hit the light when she went down. Oh, the no. light went off and she passed out because she was so scared. <laughs> um, but it was, yeah, that was probably the greatest 
experience we had and then getting to just walk with them through that yeah. because then we got to have like house church with them um get to watch him start leading house church mm-hmm. and teaching his kids songs about jesus now they're actually uh they were moved to a different country because they were on a u.n visa and now they're moved to a different country and they're doing really well all right this is a level three country mm-hmm. how do you witness if you can't talk about jesus yeah it- So it's level three. And so really you have to just like wait until they say something or you get them alone, like one-on-one. So when we were teaching at the school, that was a great place because you build friendships and with Muslims, they're very like friendly. Like you have to be friends with them first before they open up because religion is a very intense topic. It's Mm -hmm. very, uh, that's deep Mm -hmm. for them. And so we're, we're just like, yeah, let me tell you about, how I came to faith and yeah. how I know Jesus. Like they're like be my friend first. Like that's something secure in me. We go and we teach them, become friends with them. And they're like, Hey, so have you heard about this? And like just start sharing stories or they get to tell us stories. And we got to talk to a whole lot of people that way through that school. They're some of the nicest people I've ever met. Yes. Some of the most welcoming <clears throat> people I've ever met. I've never had anybody say, come sit down. Let me make you tea. Let me cook you dinner. Let me do all these things for you just because you come to visit right. me. I'm very old school, even though I'm younger, I guess. Uh, I think the husband should leave the home. Right. I right. think the wife should be submissive somewhat right. to the husband, and they are, like, 100%, whether he's right or wrong. And I think that's also something that they need to go by. Yeah. Like, be submissive to your husband. Be submissive to your God. Like, if you if you believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus. Yes. Like, do not stumble. Do not waver. No right. matter what people say or do, like, you be 100%. If your Jesus tells you to wear a skirt every day, do it. Yeah. If he tells you to put something on your head, do yeah. it. So I want to go back to this family mm-hmm. that you were talking about. So once they accepted Christ and they were baptized and they're believers, does that put them in danger? It does. It put them in a lot of danger. Her brother come back. He hit the little boy. It really hurt him. Really like did some mental damage to him right. as well in the process. Uh, he broke the husband's hand. He uh, tore up the other stuff. They had to move like three times in the process of this. So it's really good that they're out of that country now. Yeah. It was really dangerous for them for a little while. And that was something else that really got me. We had to sit there. And I don't think we take it as serious as we should here. And like as we're baptizing them, we had to ask them. Like, And I think we ask this to ourselves too, but we don't take it as seriously. Like, you know, you're dying for Christ. Like, do you know your commitment? Like when we, when we, we put you, bury you with Christ and we raise you back to life. Uh, that's like the commitment of Jesus. And like, are you committed no matter what? And we say yes, but are we really? And I had to look at my friend knowing it could happen to her. I'm like, are you willing to die for this? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, she knows. And that's like a hundred percent different. Yeah. And I do think that us living in the country that we live in, we take that for granted. We think Jesus is just for fun sometimes. And living in the Bible Belt, like, mm-hmm. is what I'm supposed to say, or you know. What yeah, I mean? we know we know all of the things to say and the the mm-hmm. things to do to make us a good little Christian, but we don't live like good little Christians. You were there for three years, mm-hmm. and then you came. Where'd you go? I came back here to Mississippi. At that time, I was already talking to Daniel. He was living in Jackson, Tennessee, but I had uh, already applied to move to Missouri to go to Midwestern Seminary. Um, I wanted to do Christian counseling, 
Um, my minor is in counseling. Um, so I thought a Christian ministry degree, counseling, I mean, just go with it. Because yeah. my thought, I wanted to go back and live overseas, but I wanted some counseling aspects. Because I met a whole lot of people that was hurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And because the people that I was dealing with, they there was a the ginger weed. Have you ever heard of the ginger weed people? Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a like, militia group. And they like destroyed people's homes and killed a bunch of people. And one of our students, his dad died because he was taken up for him and wouldn't tell them where he was at. And they killed him. I had another man who had his hand blown off and a bullet still in his leg that he couldn't hardly walk because he couldn't afford the doctor bill to go get the bullet removed. Mm. So I met a whole lot of hurt people and I just wanted to go back and help differently. Right. Like mm-hmm. I can tell them about Jesus, but they also need a different, like right. Jesus can heal a lot, right. Right. but you also need something else a little yeah. bit too sometimes. So that was my goal. Obviously the Lord changed that a little bit for mm-hmm. me. But when I come back home, it was different because I had been overseas for three years. Time didn't stand still for right. no one. And so all of my relationships have changed. People moved on. Right. Like I changed drastically being over there and it was different. And I struggled really hard with yeah. that. And so at that point I was like, moving is just what I need to do to get away from this. Um, it wasn't what I needed to do, but I yeah. thought it was. So a month after I moved back home, I moved to Missouri. I was taking Christian counseling classes in Midwestern. Then I was struggling through with a lot of stuff. I needed counseling more than I needed to take counseling classes. Mm. I tried to go to church over there to get with a group of people. I didn't know anybody there. Like my teammate was supposed to move back with me. We were going to live in mission housing. And she ended up not being able to return. So I was by myself again. I had knew some people, but they were an hour away. And so I tried to go to church. And one thing that was said to me, which I knew it wasn't meant badly, but it, it come across badly. I went to a Sunday school class and they introduced me and said, tell them, you know, what you've been doing. And I told them and the guy said, oh, you shouldn't be in here. And yeah. I was like, okay. And that was kind of like just like a shutdown, you know, like everybody puts ministry people or right. anybody up on right. a pedestal. Right. And I don't want to be anywhere I can fall off, like, because I'm going to. And so I was like, that's not okay. And so I ended up quit going there and just went to school and to work and really honestly sat on the couch and watched Law and Order and Criminal Minds, (laughs) which does nothing for my mind. It makes it even worse. So I did that and ended up getting in a really funky place to the point that I turned my phone off one weekend and I was like, I'm done talking to anybody, doing anything. And I had a knock on my door that next morning and it was somebody that was from an hour away to come check on me. And she opened the door and she's like, I knew you weren't dead. And I'm like, what are you talking about? She's like, go check your phone. And I went and looked at my phone and I had all these missed calls, all these text messages from all around the world. Because yeah. a friend was trying to get a hold of me and couldn't. She texted somebody from a different state who couldn't. She texted somebody from overseas where I was at who called me and then yeah. who called them and like everybody. And so I called my friend who started the whole thing. And I said, what? And she's like, ha. She's like, is, is uh, your friend there? And I was like, yes. She's like, okay, well, y'all have a good day and I'll call you later. And I was like, whatever. I was so mad at her, but she was the one who like cared the most at that time. And then we ended up talking and she's like, you have two options. You come home and go to counseling or I'm coming to Missouri and getting you and you're still going to counseling. And I was like, Okay. So I ended up moving back home after semester 
um, started going to counseling because she made me yeah. and took me for my first, at least my first visit. I don't remember if she went with my second one or not. And started going to counseling and realized I was dealing with a lot of PTSD. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of, of that from things that I'd seen and experienced. And also realized I was grieving. Mm-hmm. And I didn't think it would be grief that I was dealing with. But he said that I'm grieving a life that I don't have no more. Right. Like mm-hmm. I have friends that don't have no more. Mm-hmm. I had a life here that I don't have no more. Like I'm in between. Like yeah. nothing's the same. I can't be there and I can't be here because it's all different. And so I had to walk through that process for a couple of months. It's not all fun and games. Like ministry is fun. It's good. And it's a good thing to do. And it's rewarding. But it's also like it's it's a mental battle yeah. too. You got married soon after that? or <laughs> So uh, when I moved back home, that's when we started talking again, I guess. Because uh, I, like I said, we had, I moved back to Mississippi. We went on a date and I was like, I can't. Because I was dealing with a yes, whole lot. Yes. And then I moved to Missouri and I cut him off. And I was like, no. Yeah. Then I moved back home and I was like, okay, maybe let's try again. And then we started dating. And then a, almost a year later, we ended up getting married. And you have a beautiful little girl. And now we have a little girl. She'll be three on the 13th. So, do you see any missionary work in your future? I learned a long time not to tell God no. <laughs> so, I don't know. I would like to at least go back to see my friends that and people overseas that I was with. I would like to go back for more missional support. I think mission te- mission trips should be seen different than what they are based on being overseas myself. Uh, I think we see mission trips as going and doing as much as possible in a short period of time and just getting it done. But I think mission trips should be for missionaries overseas because when my friends came to help us out, all they did was talk to us. My friend's a a hairstylist. She should come and cut all of our hair for us because we don't get a haircut over there. They taught us, they did Bible lessons with us. They did a, you know, a time for us, which I think was way better than what I had done previously of just going and going and going and wearing everybody else out that has to live yes. there for a long yes. period of time. So, well, I had this, I had a Sunday school teacher one time and I loved her and she came to our Sunday school class one morning and she was like, I'm, I'm going to quit teaching y'all's class and I'm going to just go be in a class. And we were all just kind of sad. We didn't, I mean, we really loved her and we didn't want her to leave us. And, she said, you know, we need ministering to ourselves at times, too, and I'm there. And since then, I have noticed that in myself, too. Like, you know, yes, I, I taught Sunday school for a while, and right now I'm in her position. I'm in the class absorbing some stuff. So You can't fill a cup if you're empty right, yourself. Right. I did want to say one thing. Like, I feel like you still are in a type of ministry, like mm-hmm. most definitely. Yes, I mean, yes, those babies, and I know personally just seeing the love that you pour into my baby, mm-hmm. and I mean, yeah, this is yeah. definitely not what I wanted to do. To be honest, um, <laughs> I love the job that I did have, um, but I didn't have childcare myself, so I had mm-hmm. to quit. I said, like, if this is the time that I'm supposed to be in, I want to do it for the glory of the Lord. Like I want to do everything I do to bring God glory. And if that means teaching these babies day in and day out, 
and reading scripture to them and teaching Bible stories and teaching them their ABCs or whatever it is, even though changing diapers for the glory of the Lord, like Mm -hmm. I'm going to do it. I just felt like God led us to say yes to this child and you were the first one that responded to my post and I took it down as soon as you did. I was like, this I is needed it. money. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him with you at uh, the dance recital and I could tell he loved you. Well, so. We're trying to beg her to let us have him, but it's not happening yet. Yeah, so. I, know. <laughs> I know she won't let me have him either. I do she get him a, an occasional weekend, but that's about it. Yeah, share. <laughs> He's got to come home with me. <laughs> he kind of calls me mama. Okay, anything else that you would like to share? If you're wanting to do missions or any type of missions, I am 100% willing to talk about it. So if anybody wants to look me up and talk about missions, I would have a whole lot more stories I could probably share and talk about um, connections I could get a hold of. If you want to join in prayer for people, I have those connections too. So Awesome. I think your story is amazing. And I appreciate you coming and sharing that with us. So we're going to end with our rapid fire questions. So Miss Kayla, what is your song of the week? It's the goodness of God. Who is your favorite Disney princess? Mm, I would say Princess Tiana. Oh. Because she teaches that you don't just get what you want. You work for it. Yes. Yes. Kayla, where is your favorite place to relax? I'm going to be a little cheesy. And it's wherever my family's at. I love being with them. So wherever they're at, even though my little girl stresses me out sometimes (laughs) because... She's so extra. Yeah. Wherever she's at, that's where I'm happiest. Oh. When was the last time you laughed and what was it about? I don't know. It's probably something Finley did. Uh, She keeps us entertained all the time, doing something silly and making up songs and dances. Mm -hmm. She does this new thing where she like flips her head so many times because she's trying to skate like an ice skater and it's (laughs) hilarious. She's going to break her neck one day doing it. All right, last question. How would you describe your job <laughs> in three words? Stressful, tiring, and rewarding. All right, we just want to thank everyone for listening this week and last week. And thank you to everyone who has reached out to give us feedback from our first episode. I hope that you will join us again in a couple of weeks. And that's all we have for today.